There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, wow. Wow. Just wow. Ah. Andrew Gunling here for Caught Offside on... An emergency podcast. You know, one of the things with this podcast, this is obviously not a a Tottenham-specific podcast, a Liverpool-specific podcast, as much as some of you sometimes might think that it is. It's not. But ultimately, JJ and I have always said, above all else, we are fans. Um, and that is where our, where our sensibilities lie. That is our personality around this sport. And it's kind of the engine that makes this podcast go. So we've done this podcast long enough. We're now, as you all know, fully independent. And through all these years, one of the things that I think we now can allow ourselves is the freedom to do what we want when we want. We are no longer beholden to anyone, to any company. We are beholden only to ourselves. And so that is why I felt compelled after that embarrassment, that historic beatdown that Newcastle just laid down on the hands of Spurs, that even though this is not a Tottenham-specific podcast, I needed to vent. And fortunately for me, I have the vessel to do so in this podcast, in Caught Offside. I don't care if no one listens to this. This is for me. This is just for old Spursy Andy because I desperately needed to make my thoughts heard for them to be audible, for me to actually say some of them. And so that's what this is. This is the end product of me sitting through the most embarrassing Tottenham performance that I have seen in my roughly almost two decades, about 18 years of being a supporter of this club and a diehard fan, someone that has watched almost every game that they've played in that time. I don't remember one quite like this. You can call that recency bias all you want. I don't think it is. I even looked back. I went back through my mental data bank and actual data banks of old Tottenham performances and games that that, stu- that stood out to me and seasons that stood out to me. I think this is it. I think this is the most embarrassing Tottenham performance that I've seen in the last 20 years of this club. I mean, think about what went down today. West Ham were up 3-0 at Bournemouth at the half, and that didn't even register. That was not a thing that really mattered today. 
because of what Tottenham were doing at St. James Park. And I don't mean for this to be just a, a session where we ignore what Newcastle did. That'll JJ and I will have a podcast on Monday or Tuesday, whenever you'll see it, but we'll record late Monday night. And we'll talk about that because Newcastle, of course, were complicit in this beating. They're the ones who handed it down. But I don't think that was the story. I think Tottenham conceding at that sort of rate, that's the story. It's one of the stories of the season. Let me go through this bit by bit. First off, the emotion of watching that. I mean, you reach, I wonder if if you guys out there listening to this, you're all fans of teams. um, And many of the teams you guys support, I'm sure, have been through games maybe similar to this in some form or another. Um, I could make a case why this is worse, but we'll get to that. But you've all, we've all been on the receiving end of a beatdown, and you and you reach that point where you switch, where you almost, uh, I say almost, where you literally start rooting against your own team. And I'm trying to think about the psychology of that. Like when Newcastle got the fourth, and definitely the fifth, there was part of me that that in a almost masochistic way wanted it. And I'm trying to think about the root of that. And I think ultimately what it keeps coming back to for me is I need them to be punished for this. And the only way they can adequately be punished in my mind is for this to embarrass them as much as possible. I don't know if that's mean spirited, but as a fan, that's, that's where, that's the place that I go to punish them like this, make them remember this, the embarrassment of this. And you start rooting against them. You start wanting more goals. What is that? It's a sickness, I guess, but that's that's the place that I go to when I'm watching my team take an absolute hammering, and that's the way I felt, when the, especially when the fifth one went in. Yeah, more. Pile it on. And then the tweets start rolling in. Oh, the tweets. Lots of, uh, I guess, thank you to all of you who, who want to check on me uh, when these things are happening. I see all those tweets. Um, at Colgan67, does the EPL have a mercy rule? I was thinking about that too. What if they did? Would I want to push that button? I was thinking about that at 3-0 in the ninth minute. If there was a mercy rule, would I hit it right now with 80 minutes to go to stop this? I think I would have, and I think I would have been justified and correct in having done so. But I like this one from hip to swim. Uh, he says, Spurs have given up. It's almost like they got their fans to the edge of hope and then they rip it away. Yeah, that's that's what we've talked about with this club. It's the ethos of this club. Hope. I mean, I spoke about it on uh, on the last pod that we did about Tottenham. Um, how with me, I sort of had crossed the threshold where even though they were still in this race for top four, uh, I, I spoke after the Bournemouth defeat and said for at least myself and how I was feeling, uh, you cannot kill what is already dead. And I know that's dramatic, but that's sort of that's how I feel about the hope that I had for where this club was going, just because of the way this entire season has felt. That's where I was. You cannot kill what is already dead. But I think today, even Tottenham, even in a season where I thought I was dead, they even found a way to to kill the dead. If that's a thing that can be done, they found a way to do it because a fan base that had already given up hope was made to suffer that much more today. (laughs) I mean, that's what they can do. That's what this club has the power to do. Why can't they just lose normally? Why can't they just have a season peter out like a normal club? Why does it have to be this? But this is who they are. This is what they do to their fans year after year. Jay Pora, 24. At least we don't have to worry about having hope. Yeah, I'd say I'd say today did that. 
if there for whatever remaining final vestiges there were of people out there who thought, okay, well, for however bad this was, the Bournemouth loss, the FA Cup, we'll talk about all those things. But for for however bad things have been this season, we're still in it. Like Andrew Gunling and other Tottenham fans, whatever, they can be dramatic and say whatever they want. But like, look at the table. They're still in it. No, no, they're not. They're not. And today was the slap in the face that those remaining Spurs fans truly needed. 5-0 within 21 minutes. What is that? What is that? How can that happen? This is from Opta. Newcastle have taken a 5-0 lead within 21 minutes. The second earliest the side has done so in the Premier League history after Manchester City versus Watford in September of 2019. That was in the 18th minute. But that's Man City and Watford. 3-0 in nine minutes. It only happened once before in the Premier League with Man City and Burnley. But that's Man City and Burnley. That's Man City and Watford and Burnley, clubs that are going down. This is Newcastle and Tottenham. This is a different beast. These are clubs that are seemingly on the same level. So how does this happen? How does this happen? Well, let's get into some of the nuts and bolts of this performance. I don't have a ton to say about this. There's almost no sense in analyzing some of the things that we've already known for months and months and months about this club. But here's the things that stood out to me. Maybe this is a weird one for you, but one of the things that I thought about most was when Dejan Kolosevsky picked up a yellow card. I think it was in the 28th minute. And the and Joe Spate and Lee Dixon, who were on the call on USA Network, uh, made somebody made the point, something about the, the first yellow of the day. And that that resonated with me. Like that, that to me, in a weird way, was almost as embarrassing as the scoreline. Like, part of me wished after it got to even 2 0 within what was it, the seventh minute, they were two down, certainly 3 0 in the ninth. Someone do something, someone send some kind of message. Obviously, they were in no position today to send one in terms of the actual scoreline, but do something on the field to show that you care, that you have a pulse, that there's any signs of life here. I don't care if it, I'm not saying go in studs up, two footed or reducer. Don't break anyone's leg. You don't have to do that. But a latent challenge, sure. Body check the hell out of somebody. At least let Newcastle know you're there. It shouldn't have taken to the 28th minute and down five goals for a message to be sent. That was almost as embarrassing to me as the scoreline. Anything. Hit a guy. Put your body into someone. Nothing. No signs of life. Zero. And that gets back to what I was saying before about, you know, Man City could do it to Watford, they could do it to Burnley, things like that. But this is Newcastle and Tottenham. This is different. And the thing that I keep thinking about after a game like this is you don't give up five goals in 21 minutes because of talent. Now, that is certainly part of it. There's no question about it. And I think, you know, I've I've wavered. I've, I've said throughout the course of the season that I still don't know if man for man, Newcastle is a more talented team than Tottenham or some of the other clubs beneath them in the table. But I think Newcastle today, I can't sit here and say that today. They're more talented than Tottenham. They are. But, I mean, we could still go man for man, and at least we could we could at least make an argument that maybe it's close. You don't give up five goals in 21 minutes because of talent. Regardless of whatever the margin is, it's tight. You give up five goals in 21 minutes because there's no desire, because there's no passion, because there's just lifelessness from one club and full desire and full passion from the other. That's the only way that can happen. And you saw that today. Late to every ball, asleep on balls in behind. Nothing going the other way. Nothing in the midfield. A manager who's lost and clueless. He's certainly part of it. You can look everywhere for blame. I'll talk about blame. But to me, 
giving up five goals in 21 minutes. Like I was trying to think about how that can take different forms and what that can look like at different points in the game. And to me, there's something even more embarrassing about doing it in the first 21 minutes of the game, as opposed to if it was between minute 50 and 71, it's embarrassing at any time in a game, of course, but if it comes in the, between the 50th and 71st that you give up five goals, I don't know. The context of, of, of with, within which it happens matters. Maybe somebody got hurt. Maybe somebody was red carded. Maybe even a yellow card did something to the way a team, maybe an adjustment was made at halftime or a substitution was made that in some way shifted the balance. Something, maybe something, anything could have happened to at least precipitate some kind of drubbing one way or the other. But if it starts from minute zero, what does that say? What is the message that that sends? It means one team was completely unprepared. It means that one team just wasn't up for it. There was no adjustment made. That was the start of an effing game. They came out like that. I mean, five goals within any stretch of a game is embarrassing, but not from minute zero. That's the worst. It's the absolute worst. Pathetic. Pathetic all around. Pedro Porro, their big January signing. What's he done? What's he doing for them right now? Asleep time and time again, letting defenders in behind. Ivan Perisic, he just can't defend. I'm sorry. There are things he does well. He plays in a nice ball. He sometimes is threatening an attack, but he can't defend. Christian Romero, just not himself. I would say this about Christian Romero. If we're going to hand out awards for the season, I think he's got to be Tottenham's most disappointing player this season. Supposed to be a stalwart in defense. And he is. We've all seen that he's capable of it. But what do you say about him this season? Didn't play for a month leading up to a World Cup. Then played all of that World Cup for Argentina. Won it. Came back. Didn't play for another couple weeks after. When he did start playing, shell of himself. Gets sent off for two ridiculous, idiotic challenges in a Champions League knockout stage match. With Tottenham down just one goal. Sent off. What 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 has this season been for him? I mean, everybody wants to make Eric Dyer or Davidson Sanchez. You know, let's make them punching bags. Pierre Emil Hoybier. By the way, they're all complicit, certainly. But there's a lot of punching bags here. It's not just those guys. It's not just those guys. Ugh. Disgusted, utterly disgusted by what went on in that game today. So what does this mean? What does this mean? We'll have a lot of time to kind of chew on that. We've done that throughout a lot of this season in terms of where Tottenham are headed. Uh, At the Spurs web, uh, they said this feels like a sliding doors type moment, the start of the rise of one club and the demise of another. How can you view this any other way than that? There is no other way to see this. It's exactly what this was. I said it before. I'll say it again. It was the slap in the face moment that we needed. Some people had gotten it already. I got it probably after the Sheffield United FA Cup, certainly after the Wolves' defeat in the wake of that, and if nothing else, getting bounced from the Champions League without a whimper. I mean, like, I don't know how many slaps in the face we can get, but this was, I guess this was like an anvil to the face. This was a a Mike Tyson punch to the face. That's what this was when you you look at a scoreboard, and it's 5-0 in the 21st minute against a team that you are in direct competition with, who you don't, who you go in questioning whether or not they're actually better than you. That's what this was, a sliding doors type of moment, the rise of one club and the demise of another. From Adam Benmo, 
who tweeted me at Twitter. He said, as much as this hurts, Andrew, this game, this is the game that shows what the team really is finally. And maybe someone will realize that we are in need of a full rebuild. He's right. He's right. Like there are just, you know, there are moments in life that are just so heinous and sad that you can't help but see them as anything else than the wake up call that you've been avoiding. I think that's what Daniel Levy has to see this as. I think that's what millions of Spurs fans around the world see it as. Yeah, I mean, you just if it took this, then I guess I don't know where you've been. Like, if you just think about the season that this has been for Spurs, this isn't just about one result today. Like, if we're going to talk about going full rebuild for this club, which is, I think, it's where we are. It's not just about this result today. This was just the icing on the cake. Even the wins this season were ugly. I said the other day. I've supported Tottenham teams before that finished fifth. Never felt like this. It never felt like this. Going out in the FA Cup to a championship side in a season where it just felt like the need for a trophy had had reached an all-time peak. And that's the team that bounces you from an FA Cup. They shut you out. Like I said, going out in the Champions League without even scoring a goal against the club that, again, I mean, AC Milan have gone the, have reached now the semifinal, so it's hard to say that Tottenham are better than them. But again, like I've said about Tottenham and Newcastle, I could say it about Tottenham and AC Milan. Are AC Milan that much better? But they went out without a whimper. It's been the whole season. Ending your fight for the top four with one of the club's most embarrassing losses of all time. That was That's the latest installment this season of of their disappointments and the story of what this season is. It's been the whole season. It's here. The slap in the face moment. It's here. Who to blame? Who to blame for all this? God, I mean, I don't know. Point your finger in any direction. (laughs) Like It's almost, I don't know. I'm sure Tottenham fans will argue about this in the days to come and people will make good points for one side or the other. And, Look, if you're asking me, without even knowing what your specific answer is, you're right. You're probably right. This is this doesn't happen without blame from every uh, every area, from the boardroom down to the field to the coach's box, everywhere. That's where this is. I, Christian Stellini changing the formation. They've been. They've been three at the back for this entire period under Conte up through Stellini. He changes it today to a back four. Sure, I, I, that that's that's valid to be blamed, but I'll be damned if I'll sit here and tell you it's valid to be blamed to the tune of giving up six goals. Uh, I, other players have to be complicit in that. It can't just be about a formation change. Sure, I, yes, you could look at that now and say, The manager failed in his job because he did not set them up to win this game. But six goals, six, that's more than just the managerial decision. It just is. Robbie Musto at halftime, I think it was halftime of this, he made some interesting points um, in talking about this this blame game because obviously the players players are going to come under the spotlight for this and they're going to be blamed, and rightfully so. But Robbie Musto, he did say some things that it almost made me feel bad in some ways, where he said the players, I'm, I'm paraphrasing now, but he essentially said that the players had been told now for so long, that we're going on probably about three years plus, basically since the end of Pochettino, middle of Mourinho, kind of going on three plus years of these players being told how rubbish they are. 
and Robbie must have made the point, that's got to wear you down to the point where eventually you start to believe it. And I and this is what it looks like when you've lost that belief. He said their desire to play football must be gone right now because everyone feels it. They hear it every time they open the paper, go online, check their Twitter, watch TV. It's really the only message that's been sent about this Tottenham side for the better part of three years. And think about it like this. Okay, you can say, well, in that time, they did qualify for top four. You know, that was that was something. That was something for which they could be proud of, that they could kind of rebuild some of their confidence. That's true. But even that, their best accomplishment of the last couple of years, it was almost used as a backhanded compliment against them. Because what did their own manager say about it? Antonio Conte, achieving top four. He called it a miracle. Well, what kind of message is that? He called it a miracle within the context of saying we need more players. We need our transfer budget to expand. It's basically telling you only my genius could do this. It's not these players. They're trash. It was my genius that did it. Now I need better players. That was their best achievement. And that's how it was treated by their own manager. It has to wear on a team. It has to. Now, I don't want to make excuses for them. They're not good enough. And that's bore itself out. That's proven. We saw that today. We've seen it all season. Even the Champions League, you could say, yeah, I mean, well, they did get out of the knockout stage. That is true. They did get out or, or out of the group stage. That's true. And that was a good accomplishment. But it wasn't supposed to be a difficult group. It came down to the very end. They had to go to Marseille. It was not easy. It wasn't supposed to be like that. Every step along the way this season has not been easy. And it's culminated in this. They've run out of gas in the most profound way you possibly could to the tune of a 6-1 beatdown in a game where it felt like whatever they were playing for this season was on the line. They give up 5 and 21 minutes. Tottenham are right now, to me, where Arsenal were at the end of Wenger, where United were, I mean, if you want to talk about post-Fergie, I don't know, is this the Moyes point? Is this the Solskjaer point? I guess pick and choose. But what I'm saying is, a club that were great not so long ago, but that you look out now, you look at them now and you think, why would I want to play there? Like if you're if you're some high-priced talent in League 1, you have no real attachment to Tottenham necessarily, but you want to play in the Premier League, why would you want to play there? Look at that game today. Are you choosing Tottenham over Newcastle? Or Arsenal? Even if Arsenal do find a way to, to throw this title away, still... I mean, there's still going to be good feelings about the club, their momentum, their trajectory. That's where you're going. Where are Tottenham going? Who's the great player that's going to want to go there right now? Don't talk to me about, oh, but they have a beautiful stadium. No one cares. A lot of teams do. Does that matter? Oh, but their training ground. It's the Premier League. They all have great training grounds. Stop. The atmosphere around this club has sunk to a point where they have become toxic. They have become a punchline. And it takes time for that to wear off. The players will have to change. The managers will too. Managers, plural. This is ultimate Andy negativity. But to me, the next manager will not be the one who solves this. You see where this is headed. It won't be the next one. It wasn't for Arsenal. And by the way, at Arsenal, Unai Emery, I think we've all seen in the time since, is a pretty damn good manager. It's not always going to be the manager's fault. But in this era of the Premier League, patience is what it is, especially for clubs like this, like Tottenham, that were, I reference this, but they are a quote-unquote super league side. 
there's not going to be patience. If Nagelsmann is the next manager, people are going to think, the fan base, Levy, people are going to believe that, okay, well, he, this guy's a genius. He's a young genius. It didn't work at Bayern, but there were a lot of reasons for that. It'll work here. People will believe that. And unless that guy is given time, years, and suffers through other bad seasons, it won't be the next manager. Like I said, it wasn't at Arsenal. It wasn't at Manchester United. We know the trajectory, and that does not get solved in a season, or two seasons, or sometimes even three seasons, especially at a club like Spurs that don't have an unlimited transfer budget. It's going to be a while. So I say managers. The next one will not be the one who fixes this. There are too many problems for one man to change, and not enough to spend. It's just the nature of what a rebuild looks like, especially at a club like this. Even if they could spend infinitely, like we've tried, like we've seen other teams try to do, Chelsea, United, does that even even that doesn't always work? Now Chelsea and United might be able to turn it around quicker. I don't think that happens here. I just don't. Look at this team right now. Who are the players you look at and say, okay, well at least we can build a, at least we have that. Crickets. Kane. Look, I believe in that guy like I've never believed in any athlete that I've supported in any sport in my life. I believe, regardless, people can throw the the lack of trophies, whatever, at me. To me, he is a winner. I don't see him as a guy who ever gave up out there in watching that game. Sure enough, he was the one who did score their goal. In the end, it was utterly meaningless, but it's at least a sign that he he doesn't stop. But rebuilds don't generally occur with the face of a club remaining through to the next era. Rebuilds are hard. Difficult decisions have to be made. If he wants to go, let him go. I'll always support the guy. He'll always be, for me, the best player that I saw play for this club over the course of years. But if he wants to go, let him go. It's probably in everyone's best interest. Can Tottenham truly turn the page if he's there? I don't know. Maybe they can. But it probably needs a, an entirely new face, a whole new feel. It's probably time. Who else? Who are the guys that are here? Uh, look, I love Sun, but what is this? What has this season been? I mean, at a certain point, you look at the core of this club and you can say, "Look, we can we can lose with you, or we can lose without you." Feels like that's kind of where this is where this has gotten to. Rebuilds are not easy. There's going to be players that you love that you've rooted for for a long time that are going to have to go to sort of begin putting the wheels in motion of what needs to occur here. A slap in the face moment. That's what today was for everyone who was holding out some semblance of hope. That is what this was. Five goals in 21 minutes. It's just ridiculous. It's just the peak of ridiculousness. I don't have much more on this. Maybe you listened. Maybe you are a Tottenham fan that needed to hear some of this. Maybe you're an Arsenal fan that this is that this is just like, yeah, more. Give me all the tears, all of them. I don't know, whoever you were, maybe no one listened. That's fine too. Like I said, this was just for me, just for me. We, of course, will be back uh, early this week with a look at the entirety of the weekend of everything else that happened because it was obviously a big weekend aside from just this, but I just needed a place to vent. And fortunately for me, I have my very own podcast to do that. And JJ was kind enough to even afford me the space to do it. Because I did mention to him, I said, I think I'm considering doing this. He said, go, do it, vent, just vent, have at it. And, and the funny part is Tottenham now have Manchester United and Liverpool coming up. <laughs> I mean, uh, God in heaven. 
like Europa League right now feels like a dream. I'd sign up for that. If you if you said you could sign up for Europa League right now, oh my God, where do I sign? We will be back early in the week, like I said, to look at everything, FA Cup, semifinals, MLS, the rest of the results around the Premier League, uh, big results at the relegation race, Leeds uh, losing Leicester City with an important win, West Ham with a clobbering of Bournemouth. I mean, that was vitally important to the, the bottom of the table as well. Uh, and then, of course, coming up midweek, the big one, with Manchester City and Arsenal. I mean, that's with what happened. Arsenal, the 3-3 on Friday. Oh, wow. I mean, one of the matches of the season, it was sort of a, a mutually assured destruction match where I think that was the one result that didn't suit anybody. Uh, but for the neutrals, it was, my God, was it entertaining. And I think the season at the top of the table might be decided this Wednesday. So we'll talk about all of those things. But this was just for me. If you enjoyed it, that's cool. If you didn't, that's also cool. Uh, we'll be back. To all of you out there, I say, I'll check you later. Fun boys, this has been Caught Offside. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.